All right, let's get right down to it. Welcome to another edition of Advantage Connors. Here, as always, your co-host, Jimmy and Brett Connors. I'm in California. Jimmy, how are you? You're down in Florida, right? What's going on with you? Took an overnight flight last night to Boston and uh, caught a connector. I'm in Martha's Vineyard. Oh. Right now, with well, I, we got a special guest that might say a few words uh, with us here. Uh, Mom gave me a, a four-day pass to, to get away, so... I'm, uh, I'm hanging with uh, with a couple of buddies up here, so having a good time. Going to play some golf and tennis. What golf course are you guys playing? The Vineyard. There's, there's three courses here, yeah. but uh, I think tomorrow we're going to play the the Vineyard Golf Course, which is supposed to be uh, spectacular. Our our, uh, our friend Sam Bain, you know, who's been our friends for you know for years and years, knew that I was here and called and. I told him we were going to play the vineyard and and uh, he was all excited. He says it's a great course, so I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Going to be a good couple of days, but in the meantime, they got some tennis tournament going on too, don't they? Yeah, j- just a little tennis tournament happened in uh in London and old London England mate. Yep, uh just got back. I'm back in uh, LA after being in London last week with uh, our special guest Nico Pereira. Had a lot of fun with him. I want to thank him very much for joining us. He said he'd love to come back for a full episode with you in person so we can shoot the shit and then maybe go play a little golf ourselves afterwards. So that was good. Yeah. Tell me in. I'd be ready for that. That'd be great. Yeah. So, yep, we're we're into the final weekend. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. It'll come out early, first thing Friday morning, so you can go ahead and listen to us before the men's semifinals. We had the women's semifinals today. Finals are set. Owns Jabor is uh, in the final against uh, Marketa Vondrasova. Pretty big surprise, mm. to say the least. The Czech player making a run was only 4-11 and 11 on the grass uh, in her career before making her run now to wow. get to the finals. She'll still have a losing record even if she wins the title. <laughs> Just talk to me about what's been going on. Have you been watching here the last week? The TV's always on and, uh, you know, passing through and, you know, watching a little little bits here and there. But one of our uh, podcast picks is uh, is is Owens Jabor. I mean, we we talk about her all the time. How you know we're kind of waiting for her to to break through and and uh, you know and win, and win a Grand Slam and and uh, you know now you know in the finals and I, I think was she at, I think she was in the finals last year also. Am I yep. not mistaken? Yep, she was first Grand Slam final last year at Wimbledon. She lost to uh, Rybakina. Yeah. Uh, then she went on and made the final also at the U.S. Open, losing to uh, to Iga in the final. So yeah, she's she's kind of been on, on a run, a march back. Uh, we talked about her in, in the warm-up in our preview event episode, talking about the odds where she was, you know, you know, pretty high up there on the odds. But she beat Kvitova, who we talked about being a dark horse. Then she beat Rybakina, yep. avenged, avenged her finals loss from last year. And then Sabby today came back from a set and a breakdown, Sabby was up 4-1, comes all the way back. She kind of, you know, must have the pattern down to beat the big bangers because those are three of the best serve, you know, power players, grass court players you can think of on the women's side. And, uh, you know, she's marched right through them on her way back to the final. Yeah, and, uh, you know, she's got the credentials. She was in two finals. She she hasn't won one yet, but she's been there and she knows what it takes to get there. Now she just has to know just that little bit more of what it takes to win it. She's done the hard work now, you know, getting to the finals. And now, you know, she's got to go out there and, and prove not to everybody that's out there watching her on center court and on TV and around the world, but also to herself that, hey, I I, I can do this. I, I'm in the finals. I've been in two major finals before, but I can win this and now's my turn. And 
just relax and go play like she's been playing. Obviously, whatever she's been doing has been working. So, you know, why, why change a winning game? Yeah. I mean, and she's got a, a game kind of built for grass where she has, you know, a lot of great variety. She's got a great slice backhand. She's good around the net with a lot of the feel touch shots, and which gives, you know, big serve plus one, kind of those big kind of banging players, a lot of problems because she absorbs the pace. She can redirect it. You know, they, they can't end the points, you know, quite as quickly. She makes you hit another ball. So uh, I'm happy for her, you know, if it would be the first player from t- uh, Tunisia to win a Grand Slam, which which would be awesome. That would, that would be. You know, obviously, she's playing great tennis to get there and, and, you know, to be in the finals. But, you know, is she in shock, you know, to, <laughs> you know, to have gotten you said her record was four and 11 and and, uh, you know, on grass. So, you know, you know, obviously she's found something, too. So. You know, it's, uh, you know, you, listen, you, yeah. you, it, it's the finals of Wimbledon, brother. You, you know, you can never count anybody out, yep. you know, because stranger things have happened and, and uh, you go out there and it's like your grandma used to say, just go out and cut loose, Yeah, you, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and give it, give it everything you got. Don't leave one bit on the, on the court and, and come off, come off of there and, and be proud no matter what, win or lose that you've given it everything. Yeah. Good things happen. So it's going to be interesting, uh, interesting to watch. Well, talk to me a little bit about it. I mean, Vondrasova, she has made a Grand Slam final before. Back in, I think, 2019, she she had a great run at Roland Garros. She eventually lost to Ash Barty in the final. Um, But talk to me a little bit about what it is, because we see her having success. She's a lefty. uh, She's got a, you know, big forehand, uh, you know, good serve, you know, using that lefty kick serve out wide. Talk to me what advantages a lefty has on grass, you know, compared to the other surfaces, you know, because you see, you know, people like McEnroe and and certain and you and, and lefties in the past have had a lot of success on the grass. So what is it that, you know, you've done in the past, other players or or you've seen her being able to do this this week where, you know, it's got her to the finals? Yeah, usually, uh, you know, the big uh, advantage to being lefty was uh, that when you're serving in the ad court, you had that good slice out wide. Uh, you know, McEnroe had it. Uh, Tanner had it. Uh, Laver had it that that it was, you know, on a big point, you know, a 30, 40 point or a 40, 30 point. You could always count on that slider to to pull your opponent way off the court. But, you know, I got to go back to the courts again. You know, I, I wonder, you know, how the slowness of the court and the heaviness of the ball, how that affects it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, what, uh, you know, what changes you would make in your toss or your mechanics of uh, of that serve to make it work for you. So back in the old days, I think, you know, being a lefty was a little bit of, a, uh, of an advantage. I don't think so much anymore. I, there's, there's been, especially in the men's over the, you know, the last number of years, there's been a lot of left-handers and, you know, and, and you, you know, you get used to playing them and you, you know that, you know, a lefty's forehand, you, you, you understand that. And, and you just, you know, you play accordingly. That's all, that's all part of being aware and, you know, thinking and having a clear mind going out there and understanding that, that, uh, you know, Hey, you know, this, uh, this, this guy's a little bit different. He's a lefty. So I'm going to have to, you know, kind of figure this out. That's all, that's all enters into what it takes to go out and win championships and, yeah. Being a lefty, you know, it's maybe not such a big advantage anymore. No. Okay. Well, I saw it today with, uh, you know, she she beats Fidelina, who had an amazing run and set up for one of the biggest trap bets 
of like the summer, if not the whole year. Svitolina had marched through some great players. She takes out Ika Swiatek in the last round in this, you know, uh, super emotional match. And then she gets Vondrasova in the semi. Everyone, she's plus 105, plus 110. Right. You know, and your first reaction right. is like, oh, shit, like, give it to me. You better get it now before it moves, right? So right. I take it. Yeah. Everybody at work's telling Svitolina is a lock. It's a, da, 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 da. I wake up today before the match, it hasn't moved. So, like, you think if there's a, really? a mistake line that you found that, you know, oh, my gosh, it's such a, a it's a mistake by the line makers, Lely would say. Line maker yeah, mistake. That's a line maker's mistake. That's right. <laughs> right. You think there, there would be some, that? there'd be some movement some one way or the other. So, there wasn't this morning. And what happens? She goes out and gets crushed. And one of the reasons she got crushed is she kept, like, hitting it. Like, she'd get Vondrasova on the run. And then she would get the shot to like go behind her or go to her backhand or, you know, make the decision to hit the kind of put away shot. And she would go to her on the run forehand on the left, you know, and she's a lefty. So we right. were, you know, wondering right. like, is this because you're not used to playing lefties and you're, you think you're going to the backhand side and it's really her forehand, it's like right into her freaking pocket. And she just kept getting passed over and over and over again. Well, you see, that's where somebody who just goes by stats all, all the time, you know, you can get lost in that. Go go to the back end all the time, or go here, or, or come in down the line, or come in cross court, or you know, once right. once you start following everybody's stats, you you got to be able to you know to mix your game up and to mix your shots up out there, and because things happen so quick, mm-hmm. it should happen even quicker on the grass, but but uh, things happen so quick that that you know to to figure out that adjustment. You know that hey, you know when you come in, you know you got to realize that she's on the run. That's her forehand. That's her. You got to be a little careful with that, you know. And you, right. you know, for having a having a clear mind, and and I go back to what Pancho always used to say. You know, you know, go out there, forget about everything else, buddy. Yeah. You know, he said he says only 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 think about what you got to think about out there, and that's your tennis, and that's winning. You know, trying to win this tennis match, and you know, sometimes you can get lost in that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you know, you put too much pressure on yourself. So well, I don't know. There's a happy medium somewhere in there that you got to find. Yeah. We got a good women's final. I think uh, you know that's going to be a hard fought match. All right. I know it's not just me and you. I think we've we've got him now with us, Mr. Spencer Segura, one of our favorite guests all time, is <laughs> is is back east with you there. How are you, Spencer? What's going on? Good. I was listening to you speak with Jimbo and a uh, very interesting topic. Uh, I haven't watched the women's tennis that much, but Barty beat this girl in the French on clay. Barty has a versatile game, maybe better than this Joanne Poor, but not, I don't know. But uh, I serve for if Barty beat her, I take Joanne Poor to Owens. win the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so, too. But just before we get to the final breakdown, I, I just want to ask you yeah. guys about Pagula, somebody that Vondrasova beat along the way. I mean, talk about dad. You said a lot of the players on the women's side were kind of swinging freely with no pressure. Vondrasova is, is one of those because she's kind of living on free time. Mm-hmm. She kind of should have lost. She was down in that third set against Pagula 4-1. There was a point to get to 5-1, and Pagula kind of hits this throwaway backhand, and it goes long. Vondrasova holds, gets out of it, you know, breaks, holds, and they get to whatever it is, and then Pagula ends up losing that match. Pagula is 0-6. Right. I think she's like 0-6 now, poor thing, in these uh, quarterfinals, yeah. you know? So, like, what is it about her and, and certain players just in general who kind of, you know, are good or are better than you think, and but there's this wall that they can't seem to get past? It's interesting that, uh, you know, sometimes that gets in your head that uh, you get to the quarters and, and you know, you're that good a player that, 
and and you get to the quarters and you know all of a sudden you get you kind of get stuck in quicksand you know that that's why you got to play every point like it's your last and and you know not not take anything lightly that's why you know the the great players uh, of today and of any era uh, you know that that go out there i mean they they go out there and and they don't want to let one point go by they want to give it their all. Look, look at Nadal, the way he's played. Look at Djokovic, the way he's playing now. Yeah, yeah. But what do you think about her specifically? You know, I, I don't know. Maybe jumped into her mind a little bit. You know, it's a you know, then the only way to get out of something like that is, is you know, she, she's got to figure it out. The only way to get out of it is to win it. You know, right. it, yeah. to break through and to get through that quarterfinals. And you can talk about training. You can talk about your coaches. But there's only one person that can do that, and that's her. And and she's way too good a player, you know, in, in my opinion, to you know, to be stuck in the quarters. Right. And, and to accept that that's you know only as good as is as she's gonna be. I, I don't think she does accept that. I I know she's better than that. And until she breaks through that barrier, you know, that's gonna be her at, at the moment. Yeah. And and it, and it's a shame, like I said, she's too good a player. Yeah, what do you think, Spence? Well, I, you know, I haven't seen her enough, so I don't want to comment on her game, but uh, champions are champions. She's not a champion yet because, uh, I hate to say it, but I mean, that's what separates a champion from a hell of a player is that they don't lose those 4-1 games in Wimbledon in the semifinals. Uh, yeah. So she didn't, so um, she still has to, I would say it's a confidence issue unless right. she has a real problem serve. Right. something mechanically bad so it's a confidence issue and therefore it's just her nerves and and uh hopefully she'll she'll get over that yeah i know we talked uh earlier in the year like before the year started that there was like kind of four women on the on the wta it was you know iga a savvy rabakina and then pagula because pagula was right there but now yeah. with this year the other two have separated themselves you know savvy wins australia and uh in madrid you know rabakina wins uh indian wells and you know makes a run in miami and then you know it you know does well here so they're like week in and week out making deep runs and winning tournaments and then pagula I think you're right. I think it's her lack of like a big weapon. You know, those other yeah. two have a serve and Iga has so many different ways she can hurt you with her with her style of game. Yeah. So I, I think it's harder for yeah. Pagula in these times to kind of, you know, be, step up, be aggressive and maybe take control because she's a counter puncher and, you know, and she just plays a different style. But yet, Brett, uh, none, none of those big three that you just mentioned are in the finals either. True. Very true. You said that, remember, remember a couple episodes ago, you said, could I get them against the field or the field against them when we were talking about the big three? And, and you're right, the big three yeah. is, is not here in the finals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. so, you know, one week, one tournament, a career does not make. Right. You know, yeah. tennis is yeah. a game of consistency yeah. and, and going out and, you know, uh, playing every point in every game, in every set, in every match, in every tournament, mm -hmm. you, you know, and, and, that, and, and that's, you know, that's the, that's the flow. That was my flow yeah. that, that I had. I, 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 that's the way I, pl I played every point. Like it was my last one. Right. And, and because you never knew if it was going to be or not, <laughs> you know, that was the you whole thing. So that was my idea of, of what it would take for me to, right. you know, to raise my game every time. So, you know, I, I she's too good a player. You know, I, I, I agree with Spencer. It could be a confidence thing that, uh, but she's too good a player to not figure out a way to get out of that. And, and uh, yeah. And if she could get that little confidence and, and you can be told you're a great player, but until you are, 
you're not. <laughs> yeah, you know that. I, I know that, that might not make any sense, but you know, yeah. as good as she is, she needs that breakthrough to you know to be put in that that group with the other three that have already had the success. Yeah, I'm rooting for. Yeah, uh, I am. And I like watching her play. I like her game, and and. Uh, uh, I'm rooting for. I hope she breaks through. Yep, definitely. Uh, so am I. In the in the actual final, I'm gonna go ahead and go with Owens. I'm uh, yeah, I'm a fan. We've talked about her a lot on on the pod. She's a probably one of the best personalities on tour and very likable and uh, you know just you know funny and, and her game is cool too. Where she's got variety okay. and not just one way to play. So I, I hope she wins and and we'll be talking about her next week. But let's switch to the men's side. I know you guys follow that a lot more closely. Final four, we got Carlos Alcaraz, Novak Djokovic on opposite sides, looking like they might be headed for a final collision. Um, mm-hmm. And then we got Daniel Medvedev making it deep, deeper than he's ever made it on the grass. And then we got, uh, who do we got? Oh, Sinner, our, our man Sinner. Yeah. When we were talking about Pagula what? waiting for her first breakthrough to make a semi to slam, Sinner was kind of the same, and uh, he finally did. He broke through. He's, he's looked great so far. He plays Djokovic today. This will come out, and, and he'll play later today. So uh, I think uh, Sinner getting almost over 4-1 to one in the odds. Uh, so talk to me about this this run. You guys been watching the, the Chris Eubank story, the American out of nowhere. Uh, talk to me about it. Thanks to you guys, Brett uh, and Brett and Jimbo. I was at Wimbledon when I watched that whole match, Sinner-Jokovic last year. And Sinner outplayed him from the baseline, o- literally overpowered him. But his first serve percentage was like barely 50%. Literally, the guy has a good service motion. Uh, there's nothing wrong with his serve. Every first serve was in the net. I mean, uh, the, and um, basically, uh, Jokovic, Came back, I think it was two sets to one down or two sets to love down. I don't recall exactly. But Djokovic did not miss a return for three sets, literally. And both of them were second serves. So he was able to uh, outbeat the guy. But uh, when they were exchanging and and um, Sinner got in a, you know, a higher percentage of first serves, he would have held his serve much easier. And I thought he would have won that match. So if his serve has improved tremendously, uh, Djokovic is in for a hell of a battle because baseline to baseline with those dead balls on that grass, they're both great players from, from that kind of tennis. I think Sinner has a bigger forehand. Djokovic, of course, has a much better backhand than anybody, maybe ever, but except for Jimbo. <laughs> and so you're dealing with, uh, it's a hell of a match. But I but I wanted to really say on the other side, Metro Valley playing, um, not Metro Valley, but Medvedev playing. Yeah, uh, Medvedev. But he's got uh, Alcaraz, and I think Alcaraz has beaten him consistently, right? I, to my knowledge, I don't know. It's one to one. Medvedev actually beat him at Wimbledon two years ago in straights, but that was before okay. Carlos was Carlos, kind of. Yeah, Carlos was serving. Carlos serves. You know, Carlos is uh, the all-around defense, offense player. He doesn't have a tremendous serve. If he's serving better, you know, I''t want to make a call, but what I really, you know, I, I'm really impressed with uh, Sinner. And Rune and uh, Alcaraz, of course. And uh, but what I wanted to say about I watched this Rune play a couple matches, playing consistently a terrible choice of shots on big points at thirty all, trying to drop shot on his serve at four all on the third from behind the baseline. All the guy and you know he, the match with Rudd, I was I watched him lose con- playing really dumb tennis. He's got tremendous uh, talent, plays a very kind of aggressive approach shot. He can volley. I'm telling you, there's one guy who would benefit from your dad coaching him. Who's this? Runa? Runa. He, his game could go up tremendously with just playing the, the points right. And that 
he needs a coach who's played those points. Right. Somebody like Jimbo, who knows how to play on the rise tennis, which is kind of what Runa wants to play. I, I watch him play. He, he likes to take the ball on the rise. He has very good approach shots. He can volley, good serve, but overall a very athletic type all-around player. And just, I think he makes him very playing. Unfortunately, I think just uh, either badly, bad advice or just doesn't know how to play the big points. Has lost a lot of matches. I didn't see the Alcaraz matching up in straights. Yeah, you're right. He beat him in straights, Alcaraz. It's probably the worst yeah. ma- uh, surface for that matchup. You'd rather see it on either clay or hard between those two. But yeah. I think you're right. I think Runa is like the rawest of maybe those next gen guys. Where like he's still only been with us for like nine or ten months as like a competitive guy week in and week out. And if you see him, man, he goes at it hard out there. He's like very physical the way he stomp, you know, walks around and and he gets into it. But I think you're right. He plays these amazing matches where like they're they're fun. They go three or they go yeah. five and they're exciting. And you know, they go to 10 point tiebreaker. That match against Fokina, where Fokina serves underhanded eight all in the 10 yeah. set breaker. Did you guys see that? Yeah. How no. silly was that? I saw that. They're 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 stinking for you. What did you think? What did you think about that? Could you imagine doing something like that at that pivotal time of a match? Well, I, I don't know, but I mean, these guys today think, think differently. You know, a lot of them think differently than, uh, than me back in the day, you know, when I was playing and, and, uh, you know, maybe they think that's, you know, that's the modern game and that's, you know, that's what it's going to take to surprise their opponent and, and, you know, catch them off guard or something, but boy, oh boy, what a, what a time to, uh, you know, to do that. And, and then it, here's the thing, you know, the odds of that, uh, you know, working out for you are, are seem to be kind of slim, right. but, you know, and now, and now he's got to live with that. Right. We're going to pull that up every time he plays them. Did right. the guy jump in on, did Runa come in on him on that point? What happened? It looks like it was, he put it on a tee. Runa just like walks, you know, runs in and hits just a forehand cross court winner right in front of Okina. Oh, he, 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 on the return, yeah. on the return. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just under, it almost looks like he's underhand serving it to his, like if he had a kid and he was like, just trying to teach him like, here you go, whack it at me, you know? And he just comes in, hits a forehand winner. And then Runa wins on the next <laughs> point, 10, eight, boom. That's the, that's the match. We used to call that tanking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that used yeah. to be called i give up i don't know right oh, but, yeah. Boy. Yeah. Well, did you guys what about eubanks the story with eubanks you know coming in uh the couple weeks leading up to uh to wimby a lot of the talk was you know fritz had been in the top 10 top five even in the last year but tiafo wins one of those those lead-up tournaments he gets into the top 10 so two americans in the top 10 for the first time in a long time and then yeah. dis- despite that, who are we talking about late into the second week of, of Wimbledon is Christopher Eubanks, right. yeah. you know, a little bit, a little bit of an unknown player to your, to your average fan, uh, sports fan may be out there, but a, a really good college player, actually an announcer. He does a lot of work at tennis channel this past yeah. year. So he's a really nice kid. I'm a little older, 26, went to Georgia tech. He's just kind of coming into his own almost. He's six seven. Yeah. He's kind of, you know, made for grass. I haven't seen him play since it's on. I watched something on the ATP World Tour site, showed his dad or it was his uh, uncle coaching him when he was about 14, mm-hmm. hitting the ball on the rise. Everything was hit the ball early, which is, you know, my dad and Gloria's old way of playing and Jimby's. And uh, so I loved hearing that. I got to say this because of what's happening in the United States. It, they don't help. We don't help our college players. Here's a guy, 27 years old. He's now, he's had a tremendous run and no, everybody ignores these players. They only help the juniors maybe. And now when you go to college, you get no ATP points. When you play in a tournament, we do nothing for these guys. 
And I think it should be a wake up call that you have tremendous talent in the colleges still and help those guys get into tournaments and do something for them. Because here comes a guy from left field, which is something my father always felt that tremendous athletes mature at different levels. Okay. Right. The guys, how tall is he? Six, seven, six, or something seven, like that? six, eight, something like that. Huge, huge wingspan. Yeah. Those guys don't even start to move well till they're 21 because they're so gawky. And then they, all of a sudden they start to make their move really late. So they maybe weren't as good a junior, uh, you know, and we have to do something for college players in America, American college players, and, and and we don't. And the fact, and Eubanks is an example of how we can break through. I mean, even Isner, right? You know, I think he came late, and we and these guys, you know, exactly. Though you're right, uh, Eubanks told a story uh, I saw earlier in the week where he said yeah. Is, Isner pulled him aside like two or three years ago yeah. when he was really frustrated and he was down and not having great results. And, and Isner's like, "Hey, man, chill out." Like, you know, so Isner's six eleven or six ten or whatever he is, and he's like, "Look, you know, we're big dudes. You know, like exactly what you said. Like, we mature differently." He's like, "I didn't even kind of start coming into my own and feeling my game and stuff till I was like 24, 25. In the old days, a lot of guys. So if you ignore those guys and make it impossible for them, at least get them points when they're in college. I mean, as I read it, I don't know if Eubanks is only a two, he's a two-time All-American. I mean, I don't think he, did he win the NCAAs? I don't think he even did that, right? I'm, I'm not now, sure. I don't, don't think so. Uh, Shelton well, look what won. he's doing now, though. Look what he's doing now. Right. Got, he, this guy could become, you know, who knows? I mean, Nori, top 10 player, or, you know, or former, whatever it is, you know, college player, went to TCU. You know, you're yeah. right. There's a lot of talent. Shelton coming out. He won a couple matches at Wimbledon. Yeah. You said it right, Brett, that uh, you know, everybody was talking about Fritz and Tiafo and, and uh, you know, the deep uh, into the quarterfinals was uh, was Eubanks. So somebody that, you know, kind of took everybody surprise, by surprise. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and to, you know, for me, he's an American kid. You know, and, and Spencer's right. I mean, you know, yeah. the you know, the they they show their loyalty to to their education and, and to to playing for the college and you know and sticking around for that. And and then when they come out, you know, the, you know, then what? You know, yeah. then then they have to go and play satellite tournaments or you know to to try to get ATP points and whatever like, to, to get below, into they're... you know the bigger tournaments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spencer made a great point there. It's a great point and not just American kids. It's all, you know, a lot of these young kids come out and, and uh, get their education and are, and are good players that they de- uh, that deserve a chance. And, and, uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, it, yeah. it's, you're it's right. A, it's a tough call. And, and, uh, but it, but it's good to see somebody that, uh, you know, like Eubanks who comes out and, you know, uh, shows his, his enthusiasm and his love for the game and, you know, not afraid to put in the hard work and, and to, you know, to give it everything he has when he goes out there and is very appreciative yeah. of it. And, and, uh, you know, the, you know, the thrill of, you know, playing big matches on, you know, on court one or the stadium court, the, uh, the center court there at Wimbledon and the experience that he got this past two weeks is, yeah. you know, you, you can't buy that. You know, right. and, and now with that confidence, you know, where's that going to take him now? Now, right. you know, the good thing now is, you know, the next tournament, they're going to say, well, shoot, we'll give you a wild card in there. Yeah. You, you know, of course you do now. <laughs> right. He's a great story. You want him a part of your tournament. I mean, it's pretty neat for me and the, and the people I work with because he came to work at Tennis Channel. 
because I think he had a surgery to his arm or his hand, his thumb or s- uh. something in the off season. And then, he, you know, to start the year, he started doing, he'd never done announcing. He comes and starts doing it. He's really nice guy, like really nice, personable kid, good at announcing kind of right away, like a natural at it. And then he brings that dynamic where he's like still on tour, you know, so he knows a lot of the players and all that stuff. And since then he's come back at Miami. He beats a couple good, really good players, breaks into the top hundred. And then now, you know, we uh, didn't think he was a very good grass court player for some reason. I have no idea why he didn't think he would be. Why well, he's good... got a monster serving. He's six seven and he's fast. I mean, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> big forehand, good at big wingspan and net. Pretty good with the hands at net. Didn't think he was that good at grass. I saw him texting with Kleisters about like some you know confidence stuff with with grass and her and she was kind of you know giving him some insight helping him out and then boom he go, goes and wins Mallorca his first title on grass and then makes it to the quarterfinals he's up two sets to one in the quarters against Medvedev top three player in the world he doesn't come through but what a story like you said he'll have a final eight tickets to Wimbledon the rest of his life he's not old but he's only 27 right right he's I'm just saying of, he's got yeah not a bad five or six months like you know six months yeah. ago he was having to he was doing common Terry, you know, because he was injured and out. Yeah, I think he might have more legs than we think because if he's get, if he's winning tournaments and yeah, I, I, definitely I think he's just starting. Personally, I haven't even seen him play. So if you, it sounds to me like he's just getting his confidence, he's got the big game. People tell me he's quick, not slow like uh, Isner. Well, and he was he, he was serving and coming into volley and knock like Med would hit a clean return and he would just sit there right there with the soft hands and boom put it away. He had more winners in a tournament combined than anybody else in history, and he only made it to the quarters. Well, <laughs> so he's not going away then. He's only going to get to be a bigger threat. So right. that's my opinion. It's a, it's it's a fun story, and, and you're right. It's going to be fun to watch him going forward. As everyone here at Advantage Connors knows, there's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. We streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. With one of my favorites, Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it puts everything in one place. I don't know really where to go sometimes when hiring. I'm a small company here. So when I do, I need somebody who's done it before, who knows how to do the legwork and has a one-stop shop. And that is Indeed. Indeed does the hard work for you. Indeed shows you candidates whose resume on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Okay, so start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash Connors. This offer is only good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash Connors. Just go to indeed.com slash Connors and support this show, our show, Advantage Connors, by saying you heard it here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Connors. Terms and conditions apply. Do you need to hire? Then you need Indeed. What about this idea, Brett? You get the top coaches to pick out the top 10 college guys who have the most potential and do something with them that gives them uh, an edge as opposed to send them to the worst satellite tournaments in the world. Or get them all practicing together. Like It makes no sense to go pro at 18 if you're you know, number 12 in the juniors and you're just coming into your own. You're not the top. You're not going to go 
try. You can't get money to even do it. You don't have, so you go to college where you get a free ride to like Arkansas U and all of a sudden you start, you, you got tremendous potential like this guy. Mm-hmm. Somebody should be on that for our American players that to help these guys that were yeah, not I, the I'll greatest tell you, I'll tell you what the problem though is, Spence, is that <laughs> yeah. all, all these, co- all these colleges, they're lucky to get, uh, you know, one or two Americans. They, they go and, and, you know, bring them in from yeah. Europe or South America because they know the importance of, you know, winning at the, yeah. at the NCAA level, you know, yeah, winning the like, NCAAs, you know, and all that. So, you know, they, they bypass a lot of the Americans. Yeah. I, I think that, like am I wrong saying that? I don't think I'm no, wrong. You're right. You're right. I think there's just so many colleges too. If you think about how many universities yeah. there are and they all got five or six dudes on a team and, you know, and then tennis is a pretty international sport. So like, why wouldn't you try and get dip into the, the talent pool of the rest of the world too, you know? I agree with that a hundred percent. You should especially, you know, the pressure on the, you know, the, the college coaches, you know, to have a winning team and showcase their talent. But I don't see anything wrong with uh, taking, taking the Americans because some, some young kids take a, a little bit longer to mature. I agree with what you're saying. I think so too. There's a lot of people who, who talk the, uh, the college tennis, there's a, a site and some friends of mine cracked rackets on Instagram and Twitter that, that they support the, the college tennis a lot. So they're always talking about it. There definitely needs to be some changes and, and more support given to college players. But just talk to me. Tell me what you guys think. If Sinner and Medvedev don't upset Joker and Carlos, are we getting Carlos and Jokers? Break it down to me. What's going to happen? Who's going to win this title on the men's side? I'm just going to uh, say real quick, I picked Sinner at the beginning to go really deep and even win the tournament. And uh, I, I think, you know, after hearing what Spencer said about last year and the way he played last year, if he goes in and, and he realizes that and knew he had a great opportunity then and, and, try, and, and gives it that kind of effort and tries to play like that, I think he's going to uh, give Joker all he can handle. He's a big kid, and obviously he's in the semis. This is his first. He's got to play with a lot of confidence. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say it's an upset, but I'm going to say I'll be upset. <laughs> uh, so are you calling the upset, or are you just saying he's going to give him a good game? Hard to bet against Joker. What's his percentage for a serve? I don't know. I, I, I got to look it up. If you see him at 50%, He's not, no, he, if, he, if he only serves 50%, oh, no he's not going to do it. No way. He's not gonna, he went five I'm, I'm serving gonna, 50%. I'm going to say it's, it's tough for me to ever bet against Djokovic, but I, I, I think Sinner's going to beat him. No. Yeah. Really? You think 75%, so? 75%, he could beat him. Um, yeah. Okay. That's no, ballsy. Yeah. I'm gonna. I, I'm not gonna bet against Joker. He looks pretty focused. The way he's locking yeah, well, down. You know, I, you know, I told you it's, it's tough to bet against him because he's on a roll. Of course, he's on a roll. Strange things happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like the, I like just having a, a gutsy call just to have something to talk about. Well, one of our questions from your listeners, Tim Hur, talks about, uh, talk about how you stayed mentally tough. We were, but Djokovic is so hard to beat mentally toughness. Uh, he's won something like 10, I think, straight tie breaks. His tie break record on the year is ridiculous. He's only lost a few of them. And, and he's not a player where you think like, oh, he's a tie break player because he's got a big serve. It's, it's not like that. He just almost just like tightens the, the grip on you when he gets to, you know, right. gets to that point. And on these pressure points, he does not give you one free point. He makes you earn everything, you know, from, from the and he tries to do it from the very first ball. So that when you get into a tiebreaker in uh, or in the fifth set or whatever, and you know he's going to be in there and make you earn everything, you know that he's not going to play any loose shots, and and that you know that's you know everybody. Here we go again. I want to talk about it. Let's talk about the intangibles. Mm-hmm. 
when you got that mental toughness and you're you're willing to sacrifice everything you have when you're out there and he does uh, right. you, you can see the way you know that he you know he slides on hard courts yeah and, we always talk about it you guys know a match might only come down to a couple points for the winner you, know, you might only outscore right. the guy by five points or something and you win how is it that a guy can be so good at locking down on like those pressure points. Like you were one of those players who was good at that, like a great pressure point player. Like, but it's, it's, it seems like a hard thing. You know, you can just snap your fingers and be like, okay, now this point I'm really gonna, really gonna lock down. You know, it's, it's crazy to watch how he does it as with his style. Cause he's kind of a grinder, you know, big, great returner, counter puncher too. But Brett, when, when you do it on every point, you're, you're not changing anything. Right he does it on every point and, and, and from the very beginning. So, you know, when it comes down to a big point, he doesn't have to do anything different. Yeah. He, he, he just plays his game. That's the key, you know, for, you know, for me, that was always the key. I, I never had to change anything. You know, that's the way I played every point from the first, first point of every tournament to the last Mm -hmm. Djokovic does the same. And, and uh, you know, you, you know, like I said, guys go in and play him in, they don't want to face that for four hours. <laughs> you know, that that's a tough thing to do. And and, and, and it's not going to bother him. Right. He likes it, you know, right. when, when you when you get into situations like that. He played Rublev in his in his quarterfinal, and it was kind of like that, where Rublev wins the first set, but it's like a 50-something right. minute set. And, you know, it's like those points aren't easy. And then what happens? Joker goes out and like kind of breaks almost immediately. So like you've just grinded for like 54 minutes or whatever it is. And luckily have come out on top with this freaking set against this, you know, this guy. And then what happens 10 minutes later, you're down like three love or whatever to start the second. And essentially you're back to square one. Yeah. Well, he had the letdown and Joker lifted his game. Yeah. Djokovic plays to such a level that his opponents are redlining mm-hmm. everything, every game, every grind of points. You know, it's that's the way it looks to me. Yeah, that they have to 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 keep up with him and his game and his pace and and you know the, his pace of play and 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 his attitude and everything. That they've got a redline to, to keep up with that, and and that's uh, that's hard to do for four or five hours. Right. What do you think? Pop said Sinner's got a good chance against Joker, but then just went on to talk about why Joker's so good for five minutes. So I don't know if I actually believe him or not. <laughs> <laughs> but but what what do you think? I'm still going to take Sinner for the you know for the upset just because for fun. everybody else is, uh, is is just for fun. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, talk to me, Spence. Talk to me about the final four on the men. Give me your, your breakdown of who wins and comes out of this. Well, if Djokovic has to serve well. And Sinner serves, you know, not great. I take Djokovic. If Sinner serves really well, he's capable of beating him. He's got a bigger forehand. He's, and if he gets his first serve in, technically he probably has a bigger first serve. So, but Which Djokovic means has he'll the best bid return. more three points, right? Yeah, but Djokovic has the best return in tennis by far and the best down the line backhand yeah. and the best all around game. The most comp- doesn't miss, you know, he plays like Jimmy. He he puts the consistent ball on the baseline with power, you know, with margin of error. And so if you, and he hits it 20 times that way. So he wears you down. So Sinner has to be able to withstand that with, with what I saw on the grass, the ball's kind of dead and they're all hitting the ball hundred miles an hour and it's staying in. So that's a tough game. I would think a young guy should have a, have a chance to beat Djokovic with this guy. He should have a chance. He should have a good chance, but 
I guess you'd have to say Djokovic's favorite, probably. Yeah, he's a 60, pretty 40. big favorite. He's like minus six something, six hundred or well, something. Well, I wouldn't. I'd say he's only like he's a, he's not a. In my mind, I wouldn't put two to one on him. I put one okay. and a half to one on him. Well, that that that's a line maker mistake then, right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but you still right. lose. Right. Okay, so so you see, so you think it's closer. Dad thinks he's got a shot. What about overall Alcaraz? We haven't talked much about him. He goes and wins Queens. He's kind of just moving right along. Gets Runa, yeah. beats him in straight sets while Runa had been playing really good. Kind of uh, squashes yeah. his run. What's going on? Do we get Joker Alcaraz? Is it Sinner Alcaraz? Who comes out of this uh, at the end of it on Sunday? Oh, I'm going to yeah. let Spencer take this, but I'm just going to say this: I'm having a dog day, so I'm taking Medvedev. <laughs> okay. okay, you're going to go I'm two dogs. Have, I'm, I think, I'm having a dog day. So, I tell you what I do I'm, think. I think if Joker wins, he beats, he can, I think he's a favorite to beat Alcaraz. Uh, and, and Medvedev standing eight feet back, serving that big power game. You know, if Djokovic serves well, he beats Medvedev. If he serves lousy, he's the only way he can lose. The guy stands way, way, way back. The time Djokovic lost to Medvedev was at the U.S. Open after he played the toughest draw maybe in history of that tournament. He played so many good players. And he was out of gas completely. And so right. and he was I don't going think for the slam. Is a, I don't think Medvedev is better than Djokovic, except if Djokovic serves shitty, which he came, is yeah, capable and, and of. And on, gra- on grass playing that far back behind the baseline is not yeah. going to get it done. Isn't that kind of You're crazy right. for you guys to see? Like knowing that you guys always were coming to net, trying to like move forward and, and take the time to watch. Because sometimes you see him and he's so far back that he, it takes him one or two shots to kind of get himself back up to the baseline, you know? Yeah. So right. Sinner beats, beats well, Djokovic. That's the dead even match. Sinner, Alcaraz. That's a pretty tight match, that one. Right. They had that good one last year, the five setter where Sinner came out on top against Carlos. So that would be, I think, I yeah, think no matter what matchup we get, it's going to be a good one. I'm kind of just, I mean, either way, I'm happy. So I'm not going to say which one I'd, I'd root for. But uh, man, it's it's going to be a fun uh, Saturday and Sunday. You're working it too, right? Son? Yep, I'm working it. I'm working the tennis channel. We got one more question from Dad's uh, followers on Facebook. David Reef says, just for both of you guys, I want both your answers. Who is the best player to never win Wimbledon? Uh, Gonzalez. <laughs> yeah, Rosewall. Okay. Did Nasty win Wimbledon? And he lost in the finals to right Smith, I think. Okay. Yeah, Nastasi did not win Wimbledon. No. no. Okay. One more quick question, because I know you guys will have opinions on it, and then I'll let you get out of here. I know you guys are kind of coming and going. You got a lot of stuff going on back there. Uh, talk to me quickly in a minute, both of you, about the Saudi money. I know that uh, the golf is 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 in Washington D.C. meeting with Congress about the LIV PGA merger and all that stuff. It seems like tennis is going to be down the road one of the sports that that might you know become a possibility too with that Saudi money coming in. What are your guys' thoughts about it? I think that you know, they're looking to you know to come in and take advantage of you know all the sports that where they can you know kind of get in and take control and and you know sports are, are worldwide and it's it's a good image builder to be associated with it and uh, with with all sports uh you know but then you know you you hear guys like uh, McElroy uh, say that he doesn't care if uh, if he has to you know, go go to the live tour that he'll retire you know so uh, you know you hear so many different opinions you know but you know let's face it you know when when they're, when they're throwing that kind of money at you you know, no matter what sport it is, it's it's tough to turn away from it. So right. it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens with the golf, let alone, you know, the, uh, when the tennis gets involved. Right. Yeah. 
Well, interesting that they go after the two sports that are kind of, that there's no union. That's kind of like always fractured when it comes to politics within the sport, where like all the other sports, there's unions and stuff. So they kind of can't come in and infiltrate the sport in the same way. What do you think about well, it, Spence? I think that's good. Free enterprise is great. Competition, different circuits cause more opportunity to play. If there's more money and more events, then more players get developed. So I think it's great for players to have more competition in the tournament events. Right. One last question, just for fun on the way out. Who are you guys picking in this one? Elon Musk or, or Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> I go with freedom of speech. Mark uh, Elon Musk. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Zuckerberg's minus 160. I saw there's a actual line for it. Minus 160. We're talking about the the cage fight that's being proposed between Musk and, and Zuckerberg. What do you think about it? I, I don't I don't know. If uh, whoever hits who whoever hits the other one first, are they going to sue each other? <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't know what the hell's going to happen there. Right. Right. It almost seems, doesn't almost, almost seem like it's like a metaphor. Like they're not really going to actually get in a cage fight. It's like a metaphor. Cause one guy owns Twitter and the other guy owns like Facebook and Instagram and this, this new thing threads that they, that he launched. Yeah. They're, 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 they'll get into it, but, uh, I, I don't, it's going to be hard <laughs> for me to think there's going to be any punches thrown. Right. I don't think so. The first guy who gets hit in the mouth is, is going to sue. I, I, th I think you're right. They're, like Tyson says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, oh, all right. Go to dinner. I love you. Uh, tell Spence thanks for coming on. I know he clicked off. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll check in next week and, and recap what goes down this weekend at Wimbledon. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.